the wind conditions, I feel like kind of like narrow the conversation into like the things that we point out versus like just the picks you can, we're all drawing from our own like experience or story or game we saw or whatever. And then like the, the picks start to like filter that towards the end of the conversation, which feels very like elegant to me. Gotcha. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's first of all, pot. That's exactly how I feel about that. The first time the pot has been described as elegant. Lou's <laughs> here, so you know it's going to be music. You know. Um, I'm still waiting for one of those classic Lou analogies. You know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Uh, in this episode, I, I dare say we're going to conclude the 2020 hypothetical uh, tournament, 8.5. Um, we've got the semifinals, and then I would like to do the finals, um, mostly because I don't want to make people wait two weeks until this is over with. So uh, we'll do our best. Uh, for those of you that have joined us in the live stream, uh, please continue to feed us some intel on your on your. Um, on your end and um i guess without further ado we'll just dive right into it so um real quick um do want to mention that unfortunately chris uh isn't with us tonight he had to uh i think he had some work obligations that just kind of ran over the schedule which is unfortunate but um we do have everybody else so um real quick sean say hello hello what's up everybody glad to be back awesome and justin welcome what's going on you're, this is your fault. This is all you, man. You are why it's we are here. <laughs> Lou, how you doing, man? Hey, guys. Uh, it's Lucas from Seattle. Don't confuse my voice with Sean or Brett because their ideas are trash. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Brett, how you doing, man? Welcome back. I'm doing good, guys. Glad to be back. Lucas taking shots early. Yeah, not even like a minute in, and here, here we go. And... Um, Last but not least, uh, Vaughn, how you doing, man? Lighting looks great, by the way. Yeah, hello. Oh yeah, I got the I got the teenage uh, daughter's ring light again. You know, this is the only use it gets. So, I'm glad that I bought it for her, and she doesn't use it. Nice. Do we have the hamster still? Uh, the hamster yeah. make it a week. Yeah, the hamster. <laughs> well, it's actually a different hamster, but we there is still a hamster. <laughs> Hopefully we'll it didn't make it a week. Yeah, maybe we'll see him or hear him later on. But um, cool. Well, again, uh, thanks everybody for for hopping on and and doing copious amounts of of homework. Uh, Lou, I, I think you've unintentionally created a product that a lot of people want to see now. Um, with respect to this uh, stat sheet or depth chart or however you want to call it, um, I've already been hit up a few times about accessing it. Um, I don't know if this is something you'll release down the road, but um, I mean. I really like what's going on with this whole thing. It's been a lot of fun. Um, fortunately, I've not received like any flack for this at all. I think a lot of people are just happy to be talking about dodgeball again. And um, I would I would hope to see more of this. Um, you know, if we're not playing dodgeball, then we'll we'll talk about no sting. I know women's definitely wants uh, a version of this, and I think you know moving into other divisions. By the time we do so, we'll have a really nice product, and it'll be far more streamlined. But um, what I think we'll do is uh, we'll just go straight through into the first matchup, which um, is going to be Crisis versus Notorious. So 
Um, Lou, you want to go ahead and just kind of break down the roster just in case, um, you know, people are just tuning in for the first time or just to kind of rehash our, our memory. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you about Detroit city notorious, um, Mike Riley, Wes Peters, Nick Hazergen, Austin Breed, Tom Morand, Kyle Bruce, Grant Weber, and Nick Watson. I'm going to talk about crisis, the champion of the West from Last year, Justin Payan, Andrew Ketchum, Brody Johnson, Ryan Morris, Brett Baxter, Tad Delugio, and Maddox Helmer Rick. Rick, Rick. How, how do you say his name? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Maddox. Yep, Maddox. Uh, Heinrich. Heinrich. Uh, sorry if you're listening, butchering your name, but. Um, let's. Uh, so. Um, I, I'm usually going to save the, um, what do you call it, um, the the Instagram Wait, polls for, for last. Um, yeah, so let's. I guess what we'll do is we'll go through our favorites, I think, and then we'll talk about the win conditions, Lou. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, um, Lou, why don't you kind of walk us through this? So in order for Crisis to win, what, what are we looking at? Oh, oh, wait, are we, we're skipping ahead? Okay. Um, I thought we were going to have to like out ourselves and pick our favorites and compare it to the IG results. Hmm. I'm going to say it. I'm, uh, yeah. I, think, I think crisis is the favorite here. What about you, Sean? Yeah. Crisis is a, uh, pretty heavy favorite for me. Um, I've been digging through, um, as far as I, like what I can tell from the nationals round robin nationals bracket and the completed brackets from, uh, all the tournaments last year, crisis had, uh, a 10 and three record against the teams that we have in this tournament across the course of the year, uh, notorious one in five and oh, and two against teams that we still have in our top eight. So. Um, even though I think we all agree that they definitely have some talent, uh, I think that they have a very real ceiling. Um, and yeah, crisis, uh, I think kind of runs through. Who's next? Justin, why don't you go? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think we all sort of appeal like crisis is definitely the favorite. I think even with the addition of Tom Warren, who, uh, you know, I think is a really good player. I think is an upcoming player that most of us don't know about. I saw him last year at Nationals. Was unbelievably impressed with him. Great catcher. Really good deceptive arm. I still just don't think it gives them enough to beat those top three players of Pyan, Catchum, and Brody with Ryan holding one corner. I just think that power is just too much to overwhelm Notorious. Brett, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think um, you guys have all made great points. I think that what it really is going to come down to is Notorious being a little bit more one-dimensional than Crisis. Um, I, I think they have their game and they want to play it and play it well. And I think Crisis can kind of uh, shake them out of it or adapt and overcome. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this is an uphill climb for Notorious for sure. I think their strongest game is, you know, sitting on the back line and making big catches. And, you know, I just don't think that that's the way that they can play um, against Crisis. I think that 
you know, if you just let them set the line and tee off, they don't stand a chance. But that's the best game Notorious plays. So it's it's a really, really uphill battle. Do we have any um, any instances where Crisis played against Notorious? In 8.5? Uh, no, not, not that I found. Uh, not from this. They didn't play in the bracket. Uh, and they didn't. They weren't in the same pool. Gotcha. Um, a little birdie told me that Titan and Notorious played once upon a time, but I could find no record of it. Um, do you know who won? Uh, the birdie said that Crisis or Titan won. Titan won. Um, yeah, that would have been two years ago, right? In Minneapolis, yeah, three years ago, right? It must have been know, two years ago. Yeah. Must yeah, have been Minneapolis. So Titan would have won without Pyan on their team, basically. I think that was probably like the big change from Titan to Crisis. Brody? Was Brody on Titan at that point, or he was still on Havoc? Oh, yeah, no. So it would be, yeah, without Brody and without um, um, Pyan. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's tough because like I, we were talking about this offline and um, we're talking about, you know, crisis of strategy and this might come up later on where they don't have one. And I wonder if that might, um, if they might get caught flat footed. Um, I feel like notorious is a lot more methodic, uh, methodical. So I, I feel like maybe um, notorious might be able to get the upper hand and I don't know if crisis can recover from that, but at the same time, it's like the depth of crisis, they might be able to just, you know, recover from that anyway. Um, they've got plenty of talent and firepower to spare. Um, if this was pinched, it might be a different story. But um, why don't we go ahead and get into the conditions, um, Lou? Like, what what would it take for for Crisis to win this game? Thanks for asking, Steve. Um, for win conditions for Crisis, we have they need to overpower uh, Notorious with Brody and Ketchum. Um, Countering Hazrogen is going to be key um, and avoiding throwing catches in the late game. So using team throws to get out the Notorious catchers once the throwers are down. Um, for Notorious to win this match, uh, they need to win the rush. Uh, they need to survive Crisis's um, rush attack that utilizes Brody's quick check. Um, they need to convert big catches when Crisis decides to throw at players without blockers. Um, they have to find a way to get Pyan and catch them out early in order to kind of swing the game. And they need to keep pressure on Crisis um, to keep Crisis from kind of doing their landslide uh, kind of tempo. Yeah, and that's um, that's what. So, kind of what I was saying about if if. For some reason, um, Crisis just completely underestimates um, Notorious, and they don't get a chance to have that overwhelming force or that like avalanche of a tempo. Then maybe uh, they could pull it off. But I feel like you know, with Brody's freaking pass back, like you're you're guaranteed to lose somebody. And if he just needs to single out like their best player, they just continue to just ride that until it's over with. So I mean, it, it's hard not to say Crisis is the favorite. Um, I, I, the one thing that I see happening at some point during this game, and this always happens at nationals because you have teams playing against each other who are maybe unfamiliar, but um, I could see 
uh, Hazergen um, picking off his opposing corner just because they underestimate that power, right? Like you can watch a team on tape, but it's not until you get on the court with them. Um, so I could see I could see Riley and Hazergen surprising some of the crisis guys with just their speed and power with 8.5, but I, I don't know if it's enough to be consistent over the course of the match. Like they'd have to sustain the element of surprise and not lose it and just keep, uh, you know, four matches, just keep, just keep it up. Um, I also don't, I don't know if crisis is really the team that underestimates people. Like I said, they, they went six and two against the top eight teams that we have in this bracket last year. One of those was a loss to rise in round two and catch wasn't there. So like, if you factor them at full strength, literally the only game they lost against one of these top eight teams is the finals of nationals last year. Like they don't take teams lightly. And this feels a lot like, it feels a lot like the matchup we did last week with Kraken versus Anarchy, where we said like, oh, Kraken needs to make some big catches. But then we were like, well, they're going to stand on the back and then Anarchy's just going to throw through. It feels the same to me. Like Notorious needs to play good catches, but that plays right into what Anarchy wants to do. Like, right. they're just like, if you want to have like, you know, a play chicken with, you know, crisis, you throwing versus me catching, they're probably going to win. Um, yeah, how much are we factoring in the games that they played before? Because I think that could have a lot to do with how they come into this game. Like if if Notorious rides a wave and ends up beating Goat close, they could either come in tired or they can try to ride that momentum in. Whereas if Crisis 4-0'd Havoc come in a little bit more flat foot, Notorious could come take a couple games really quick. I don't think they would hold on to it, but I think it has a little bit of potential to be more of a chance for an upset. Yeah, I guess we can uh, factor that in too. Um, yeah, I remember last episode, Notorious vs. Go was was a battle, um, and they're going in from was, was it four uh, zero Crisis and Havoc, or was it four uh, two? Let me check the four one four one. And hey, Sean, just um, for a second, can you reiterate like where the, like these stats like against the top sixteen or top eight? Is this round robin and bracket in all rounds? Is this just a yeah. national? So, so it, how are we it, looking at this? So I have the basically the the matches I could find like actual data for for last year. I have the brackets from every round. So I don't have round robin from the regionals, but I have if you played any of these teams in a bracket, um, then that's being counted or round robin or the bracket at nationals. So not it's not an entire picture um, because it's not factoring in like the round robin matches uh, that maybe would have happened at regionals, um, sure. but I just don't have that data, yeah. I mean, these teams wouldn't have played in round robins and, that, and regionals though, so right. I mean, we pretty much. Well, but yeah, I would, mean, I, would have I guess yeah, in, the top, in the top eight. But. Crisis was, I'm pretty sure was the one seed at both rounds or no we were the ones who did round one i think but they went undefeated at round one and three in round robin two so whatever their top 16 top eight stats would be would be yeah. higher so and outsiders was the high, the top seed at west round two right but that i'm not yeah. i'm not counting that one as much because ketchum wasn't there right yeah no i'm just saying like that's where hmm. and notorious didn't win around anything last year at all so their stats wouldn't be as high. I think it's important to point out that um, 
I think Notorious's greatest strength might be its throwing, and yet they are at a significant throwing disadvantage against Crisis, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, um, you know, when you take away a team's strength, like, it really, really is challenging to have success. I mean, even the team that even a statistic that we're saying, which is catching, they're gonna have to win through catching. We're saying that Crisis is a twelve percent better catching team than Notorious. So, I mean, no matter how you really want to spin it, it doesn't really seem to work out for for Notorious. And I think what Sean said is probably the best stat is is the only way we see Notorious winning is by doing stuff that plays right into Crisis. So, I don't know. I have yeah, a hard I mean, time saying that. Crisis wins. I mean, loses. Yeah, for their win conditions, you know, we have huge catches, but we also have need to keep pressure on Crisis, and I don't think they can do both. Right, like they can stay up at the line, but they don't make those catches at the line or in transition, or they can sell the back line and make catches, and you know, let Crisis tee off. Like I don't think they can do both. So that's you know, which one is bigger for them? I don't know, but I think they would need both. I think this is also the team you don't want to let just tee off on you. Nope. I think it's time to kick it over to the Instagram poll. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, 82% to 18% favoring crisis. So, um, you know, we're not, we're not alone here. Um, I guess the, the, the question then becomes, you know, are we thinking, is this like a four to one situation, a complete four O crisis just moves right through like, notorious or do we want to go there? So one thing that I did find looking back through brackets is that Notorious plays a lot of six and seven game matches and Crisis actually played a lot of like six game matches in their nationals bracket last year too. Um, so like they were beating teams, but they weren't uh, like, you know, running through people. Um, so I, I definitely don't think a sweep. I think, you know, four, two, maybe if, you know, Notorious has like one of those games where just like everything goes their way with deflection catch and double kill, maybe four three, but I, I would I would probably bet four two. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I would probably go four two. That sounds like a consensus. I'm four two as well. Yeah, I would have gone four one. Not not a complete steamroll, but four two. <laughs> sounds about right. Um, I feel like this is just going to get tougher as we as we move forward. Um, yeah, I feel like it, that was the easy one. Yeah, started with the cream puff. <laughs> warmed up. Yeah. Well. All right then. So we'll we'll advance uh, crisis. Um, now we'll do. Um, oh boy. Outsiders versus rise. Vaughn, um, you just want to like want to plug your ears for a little bit or step out of the out of the room. I think. I think Vaughn's important. This, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear what Vaughn's strategy of, what, of how they would play it. Well, um, let's go into uh, into the rosters then. So, who wants to take that one? I'll, I'll start it off. Uh, outsiders roster: Elijah Hashimoto, Kim Nguyen, Jake Hebert, Mikey Hashimoto, Vaughn Kelly, and Joe Martinez. And Rise's roster is Tim Fullerton, Sean Anderson, Alan Thomas, Andy Marquand. Brandon Cook, Jim McMasters, and Serge Ferrari. Man. <laughs> it's just, I want to see these games so bad. Um, well, um, so this is the 
this is the closest we have any two teams ranked in this round, right? In terms of our ratings. There's no two teams that we have closer in this round. Yeah, after all of our ratings were compiled and averaged, they're a one percent <laughs> different. <laughs> Jesus. So, I I know it was round robin, but uh, last year at nationals, Rise beat Outsiders two zero, and it's just round robin, so it's not the biggest deal. But I would then argue from there that Outsiders is the same roster, and Rise I think everyone probably agrees has gotten better. Um, so to me, like if I were a, you know, in the court of law, it would be on outsiders to prove why they can beat the newer version of rise when they have been unable to before. That's fair. Okay. Um, I hear, I hear a healthy captain of outsiders in the chat. Vaughn, <laughs> tell, Vaughn, tell us, tell us about your team's mindset going against rise here. Um, I think our mindset is just patience. I think, I think, you know, I can appreciate what you say with rise getting better this year, but one thing I would argue is I think we have great arms. We have very accurate players. I think they are going to be easier to hit this year than they were last year. I think Alan is more, Alan Stott was more nimble than probably anyone they've picked up. Um, I could say the same for Chris Bell. Some people would argue you have to hit Chris Bell two or three times for him to go out. <laughs> Everyone knows it. No one wants to say it. No one wants to say it, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that would be our biggest thing is accuracy and being able to whittle these guys down. Um, you know, as long as we can keep ball control and not get too crazy with the counters, I think we have a good shot. Um, you know, looking at the stats, they have us uh, tied in catching. I would argue that we're a better catching team than Rises. Um, but... I will abstain from the voting, um, but yeah, I think our key is just patience. Wait them out, um, you know, look for shots. Don't get too, you know, anticipatory and, you know, make sure we're hitting. Just not letting balls go and missing, 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 missing. So I have one other question for Vaughn before the rest of us chime in. Because when I was thinking back, I know outsiders came to West, uh, I think round three in 2018, you came to West round two right. in 2019. And then you have the uh, two nationals you guys have played at. And from when I was looking at the results, you guys have not made it past the quarterfinals. Do you think in, in those tournaments, and like I know round two, you guys were the one seed. You've proven that you can beat top teams, um, but you haven't proven that you can do it in the bracket. Do you think that that's just been a like a time and place thing, or do you think that there's like you guys are growing into that? You have a really young team. Like, do you think that that's something that you were going to overcome this year? I think there's a little bit of a lot there. I think part of it is um, having a young team and having an experience in some of those big games, um, some follow through. Um, you know, we're used to playing in the South. We don't get a lot of those you know, frankly, we just don't get a lot of those big teams that we play against until we get to nationals. Um, going to the West helps us a lot. You know, we beat Crisis in round robin, you know, without catching, we beat Heat in round robin. We took you guys to seven games in bracket, you know, in a very close match. But I think a lot of it is just getting more experience um, on that bigger stage. Um, also, last year, we 
you know, had three players get injured, Elijah Torres oblique and co-ed 8.5. So by day two, when we had open, we were facing a lot of injuries. Um, so I think we have definitely grown. I think we'll continue to grow and hopefully we, um, you know, show up better in these big matches. I know I've been playing devil's advocate, but I actually think you guys are a really good matchup for, for us. So. I'm trying to look at just some data from uh, Nationals round robin, uh, outsider zero, rise two. I mean, that's just one small, small sample. So in case, in case you guys wonder why I'm silent, is uh, I'm trying to check through these spreadsheets. Um, definitely miss it, Chris. I feel like uh, he was a really good um, contributor in terms of data and just pulling up these awesome stats. So uh, huge shoes for me to fill. Not going to happen, but um, just letting you guys know in case I go quiet. But um, so we got it. We kind of got Vaughn's pick, right? I mean, I'm assuming Vaughn, obviously, you're pulling for outsiders. That's your favorite. Um, Sean, why don't we go down the list? Like, who, who, who do you have favorite to win? So I said from, you know, I think the very beginning of the very first pod, I asked everyone who their favorite was. And I said, I think Rides' new roster to me is a favorite. Uh, like, if, if I was making like Vegas betting odds, I just think they have like a ton of depth and ton of intelligence and they can they can do everything um that being said like outsiders like von said they match up really well with them outsiders has an extremely accurate team they play like jake and eli are maybe two like the best like best defensive corner pair in dodgeball possibly like they're both really elusive really good at blocking um i you know i don't like I said, I think uh, it, I think I'm still slightly leaning rise, but I'm definitely like throughout this conversation, I could be uh, I could be persuaded to the other side with uh, the conversation. What about you, Justin? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, to reiterate what Sean just said, I think Luca, I think uh, Jake is or Jake and Eli are both really hard matchups for Andy and Tim. I think Eli is a really hard matchup for Tim in general. Just how active he is, how quick he is to get up to the line, how quick he is on the counter. Uh, he does a lot of the things that Tim does, but he's younger and faster. He's kind of a younger version of, of Tim in a, in a weird way. Um, so I just think that's a, a hard matchup for them. A lot of stuff runs through Tim, and if Tim is focused on Eli, it makes it a little harder for him to run their offense and decide where everything's going. So, you know, how does their new roster sort of come together if Tim can't focus totally. Um, I'm leaning a little towards 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 outsiders. I, I've been super impressed every time I watch them. I watched that rise versus outsiders match last year. There were some calls that didn't go their way. As, as Vaughn alluded to, maybe you had to get some people out a couple more times than you should. Uh, I think the new team is a little more honest. I think Sean takes his out a little better than Chris does. I think Alan probably takes his outs a little better than than uh, some of the other players that left. So I'm leaning towards the outsiders. Lou? Yeah. Jeez. Um, Looking at our ratings, the one area that outsiders has a big edge is in team chemistry. And let's see. It looks like it looks like Heat and and Outsiders have the highest chemistry in the field left. 
Um, so I think that the chemistry is definitely going to help outsiders. I think they're young. They're a young team. They they've got a lot of I think good experience in the last two years against top competition, especially coming west um, to the regionals and then getting to play against some of these top teams at nationals. That being said, I think a lot of us have like rated um, rise low on team chemistry and it could be one of those situations where by the end of the season, they're clicked, right? Um, I think we were all pretty surprised by how fast they gelled and won the first tournament that they played in uh, down in Los Angeles at the Invitational, right? Um, I think they won no sting and then they came in second in foam or third in foam. Um, but anyways, like two really strong placements from a brand new roster. So it's possible that we're underrating their team chemistry. Um, I think the next kind of interesting place to go with this matchup is experience. Um, Rise is essentially like the institutional knowledge of all of competitive dodgeball. Um, I think they, you know, between Serge, Tim Fullerton, and Jim McMasters, they, they've kind of been in every setting imaginable and had success uh, for about a decade straight. Um, and I think they're adding one of the smartest players, Alan Thomas, to the mix. And, um, you know, I think that they're, if any team could troubleshoot a tough matchup, um, I think it's this one. Um, but I, I want to go back to what Sean said. I think Rise just got deeper. They got deeper. They have more throwing power than they've maybe have ever had. Um, and I, I have I have Rise as a favorite in this match, slightly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, sorry. I was just gonna echo what Lucas said. Uh, that like I, you know, he came together last year. Uh, you know parts from different pieces. And by the end of the year, we're rating Heat as like the best chemistry team. So I think that the way we've rated chemistry for them, I think if you have intelligent, experienced players, like that can gel really, really, really fast. Like if you understand how the game works, you understand how it works. And then, you know, learning each other, it's, it can happen a lot quicker than maybe we gave them credit for. Yeah, and but, I'm realizing one thing about Rise is, you know, they'll, they'll have their freaking camps, so they'll make sure they get that chemistry. If they don't, they'll drop whoever's um, uh, toxic, I guess, or, or is not contributing to that. So um, I might have to walk back whatever rating for chemistry I gave them. Initially, it was just because, you know, you're bringing in three brand new folks, um, four, I mean, but um, Mia. But didn't. Didn't Sean didn't on the podcast you had them in? Didn't they say they weren't going down for the camps? They weren't. They were not going down for for camps this year. They were planning on not doing camps. The the tournament Tyler's tournament was their warm up tournament to get used to each other, uh, which Sean didn't come to, um, but they still ended up winning no sting. I still uh, feel like so, I feel like they would have had to have done something. Um, did they feel like um, remind me? If, like, do they feel like they didn't need to because of their performance or? Um, uh, basically Alan and Sean implied that, you know, we're all real smart players. They're real smart players. We all will gel together and figure out how to play together. Hmm. Here, here's my take on that whole thing. I think that rise doesn't trust the new guys. 
So they, they didn't give him the playbook yet. They had to get him into camp. They had to get him to a tournament and really see if these are the, the guys who are going to do it. And, nah, you know, maybe we could check back in with those guys and see if they've had the playbook since. Yeah. I could, I could see that happening. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't really want to give up our secrets just yet. We'll kind of keep them on the outside. Um, Tyler says, well, first of all, let me back up real quick. Um, Dylan, I'm not sure if the volume may was any better. I'm glad you guys can hear me fine. Um, I did turn up the, the auxiliary. So hopefully it's more clear. You hear the other guys. So it's not just me talking. Um, but also thanks guys for the feedback in real time. This is actually really helpful. Um, Tyler says rise is much better catching team than they have ever been with the additions of Allen and Brandon. So I don't know if that kind of sways, um, what we're leaning towards right now. Um, we didn't go over the conditions yet. Did we, Lou? We went pretty deep no, in the, you know, Brett way in first. No, <laughs> my bad, Brett. I, I cut Brett off. I feel bad. No, you're all good. No, I, I, I think you guys all nailed it. I think rise being a little bit more battle tested, adding some better players. Uh, I, I think that gives them an edge, but I will say, I think outsiders, gets better with every game they play. And if we're looking at this same exact matchup next year, I might lean outsiders. Hmm. Well, Lou, you want to go over the win conditions? Yeah, let's go into that now. And sorry about that, Brett, my bad dude. Totally. <laughs> um, all right. For outsiders to win, they need to be evasive. Uh, their main advantage is that they're harder to hit. Uh, they need to minimize rises opportunities to team throw um, and added bonus. They need to get Eli into one V ones. Um, so there you go. Outsiders and rises uh, keys to victory uh, accuracy, knocking out middles early and then using ball control to get those evasive corners. Um, eliminate Kim and Jake. Uh, and then Brandon cook being productive, getting one or two outs early before the teams start trading. So those are our win conditions. Which I feel like with Andy and Sean, that that's that's not asking much of Brandon, unfortunately, however you want to look at it. I feel like that's easy. I don't know if anyone wants to... I don't know if it's easy. I mean, Outsiders is really hard to hit. Like those four guys, Vaughn, Joe, those are all hard guys to hit. And I wouldn't say Brandon's like the most accurate of players that's in the West or it's out there. So I don't know if it's like, oh yeah, Brandon's just going to go out there and he's going to mow down these players. These players are hard to hit. They're really good catchers. Uh, you know, I think outsiders are all really good players across the board. So yeah, to sit there and just say, oh, he's going to, he's going to get two to three outs. I think it's an interesting game though, because I think it. I think both teams probably try to play it through the middle, right? Like I don't think either <laughs> really has their corners throw that much. They probably like they're pretty evenly matched, and it's just like which team can get an advantage, get up four two, whatever, so you can get to those team throw spots faster. I think also. I think also who has burden to start also determines a lot because who's going to get those two ball throws versus possibly just the one on one throws also will make a difference. I feel like Rise this year, I don't know, but I feel like Rise this year, when they get four balls, will probably throw one and keep three on defense a lot because mm -hmm. they have, they have like really good solo throwers with Brandon and Sean. Like 
I feel like they won't double a lot and like minimize teams' chances to get that double back on them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that they would throw a whole bunch of, you know, two ball plays at us. Um, you know, just like we wouldn't want to do the same with them. So this might be like a grind to this game. Yeah. I I just want to list off Rise's maybe top throwers, just because I think it's important to recognize like how deep this team is. So, you know, like Sean Anderson, Brandon Cook, Andy Maroquin, they're maybe fourth most powerful thrower, Tim Fullerton, fifth, Alan Thomas. Like, I think if this matchup is played down the middle, the team with more depth is going to win. And they're just so deep. I mean, can't you do the exact same thing with the outsiders? I mean, Eli, Jake, Mikey, Kim. Va- I mean, Vaughn is their fifth best thrower. I mean, and Allen and Vaughn are very similar type throwers. Sneaky, good accuracy, low ball, hard to catch. And then it comes down to Serge and Joe as, their, as the sixth. They're all, I mean... You could do very similar things. I guess the top end guys, you're talking about Sean and Brandon are probably higher, have bigger arms than than Kim and Mikey, but I think Kim and Mikey are much harder to hit and are better catchers than Brandon and, and Sean. Well, maybe the tipping point is that two of the throwers are tucked in at the corner positions for outsider, whereas only, only Fullerton, I guess Andy, Andy's like their third best thrower, but... He's tucked in there. So, like, I think of the remaining middles, I think Rise just has a little more throwing. And and I think we all know Rise's, you know, when Surge is in the game, he's going to trade himself for the best available player, right? And, like, that that even leads more to the depth, right? Yeah, because if, if Rise runs that rush play early against Kim, like, and they trade Surge for Kim, like, that's a – big that's your sixth best player for your second or third best player like that's a big swing when we're talking a game that you know we're thinking is going to come down pretty close and i i don't know if outsiders can afford to make the same play because if you take out one of those guys in the middle you've got three other ones i don't know yeah i wanted to ask vaughn a question vaughn you guys played rise so tight in the co-ed 8.5 8.5 right in nationals and and that that was one of the most memorable matches that i saw like what was what was the match like for you and what was your takeaway from it um the match for us you know we felt and you know it's so easy to say everyone says oh you know we got cheated but we feel like there was some things in that match with honesty we felt like we were at a big disadvantage on a borderline call when we had chad landrum roughing the game um we tried to get that overturned didn't work and we just felt like we were at a disadvantage having one of their open players <laughs> roughing their co-ed game um so i think if i'm looking back on that game and i'm looking at it just from play i think we should have won that game um but you know we didn't and what's in the past is in the past but i think it's hard to say what that means because i think this is such a different rise team this year um you know it gave us experience in a big game and dealing with things that don't go your way 
you know, being able to recover from that, not staying in your head about it, just trying to move on and, and keep things going. Um, so I think it gave us um, experience there and that definitely helps us, you know, from year to year, but I just don't know how much playing that team helps us against this team because they're going to play very differently. I feel like. So I, I want to chime in real quick and just read some of the comments. Um, so Joey says, I feel like Rye has lost some height though overall, and that makes them smaller targets, but I don't know if, it, if I can get a response in time, but I feel like they didn't, they gained height by picking up Sean and Andy, unless uh, I'm missing something. Yeah, at, at minimum, you're just, you're tr it's a wash when you add, I mean, Alan is shorter, but you're not really. Yeah, and Brandon. Isn't Brandon and Alan, isn't Brandon Cook and Alan Stott probably like the same height? Six zero, I think maybe. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's a wash. Um, clutch thrower says Steve Damon. I don't. Hi, um, Jenny says um, the single throws from Rise would play into Altair's game because um, they're so elusive. And then uh, Joey says twenty one concurrent viewers. Thanks, big dudes. Cool man, thank you. Um, that's a lot. Um. Are we ready to uh, bust out the polls? Yeah, or we I still mean, want just to keep chime back in real quick. Sure. I think I think one of the things we don't look at on the stats is like kind of how we've talked about a little bit, with like our elusiveness and, and survivability. I think that does come in very big in this game. Um. So I, I think we would have the advantage there, and maybe, you know, I don't know how much that helps us. Like, it doesn't help us you know, go over the top, you know, it's hard to say. Um, but I think that is one thing. If we're just looking at these, whatever five or six categories we're looking at, I think we're missing a big thing and not having something like survivability and elusiveness, that, quickness, things like that. Um, so I think, you know, I think me and Joe can make trades on some of those guys and, you know, whittle it down that way too. Um, you know, we generally have at least a catch or, or two in a game to kind of bring guys back in if we need to, you know, put, you know, I think we could still get Jake and Elijah their throws in the corner. I think we do a pretty good job of protecting them. Um, once they, you know, let their ball go and get back. Um, so it's, you know, this is tough. This is a, this is a tough thing to say how it would play out, especially never having really seen this version of rise play in, you know, an elite slash USA dodgeball round. Yeah, it definitely makes it tougher. Um, is it time to bust out the dice? <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I survivability is a good one because um, you know you guys are definitely more elusive. I feel uh, on the outsiders, so that might play into some frustration, maybe from Sean, Brandon, just totally spitballing. Uh, maybe Andy giving you guys more opportunity to be offensive. Um, because you can outlast them in that regard, but um, I don't know how that weighs in. Um, let me pull up the uh, the polls here and see if that helps us. I would, I, I definitely agree that uh, I think elusiveness is an underrated quality in dodgeball. I remember when I first started doing stats for like dodgeball games, that the stat that correlated the highest with win percentage was the amount of targets you could draw per game. Uh, was like a direct correlation to win percentage. So like the people who drew the most targets without getting out won more games. 
Um, so I definitely get that. But then I, my counter argument that, to that would be, can you name a more accurate 8.5 duo than Alan and Tim? Not, not, not power. Can you name two people who can place 8.5 balls better than Alan and Tim? I can't. So I think that that gets negated in, in a way. I mean, I think Elijah's right there. I think, you know, if you look at everyone, I think Elijah's the best player on the court in this game. Um, my accuracy is, you know, I feel like tops. Like if you look at some of the combine stuff, which, you know, is foam, but I translate over to 8.52, I ranked fourth in the whole combine in accuracy score. Um, so, you know, Jake can get streaky with his accuracy. Um, Mikey can too. Kim is generally pretty accurate. I think we have the accuracy that can beat them. You know, if I'm, you know, you could argue that they're the best duo, but I, I think our accuracy is right there with, with rises. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing that it's not. I was just arguing that I don't think that elusiveness is as big of a factor when you talk about a team that can be as accurate as they are. Not not comparing them to you, just saying. Yeah, it kind of negates their um, survivability a little bit or brings it down. Hmm. Well, um, going into the polls, so we got 30% outsiders, 70% rise. So rise is the favored um, based on the gram. Um, let me pick your brain, Justin. What are you thinking? I don't know. I think, it, I mean, this is like, you know, like every matchup is going to be super hard at this point. I, I keep going back. I keep trying to think about, like, if it got down to a 3-3, if it was Tim, Sean, and Andy, or Tim, Sean, and Alan, or Tim, Andy, and Sean versus Eli, Kim, and Jake, or Eli, Mikey, and Jake, Eileen, they're th Outsiders three versus rises three. It's, it's never going to be three. Eli, Kim, and Jake. Well, that's the question. They're never going to let that happen. Maybe one game, but that can't. I. I could see two of them for sure, though. So I mean, if it was a two, if it was Eli and Mikey versus Tim and Alan, Tim and Sean. Who's the, who do you give the advantage to then? But I mean, that still doesn't answer. I mean, like I said, to me, the win, to me, the win condition for outsiders and the one that I wrote was get Eli as close to one-on-one -on -one as possible because I, I tend to agree with Vaughn that the lower the numbers you can get Eli with, the better your chance of winning. The issue becomes how effectively can outsider whittle those numbers because I think Rise is going to have the easier time getting number advantages. So it's the onus is on outsiders then to make the plays or the catches or like eat the extra balls to get the double throws to get the numbers down to two on two. Because I think, yeah, if you want to make the argument, Eli and Jake or Eli and Kim versus Tim and Sean, yeah, maybe you pick outsiders. But how many games do you think we get to those numbers? Probably not four. That's a good point. Right, right before the taping, I watched um, Impact versus Rise in the, I want to say quarterfinals of Open Nationals. And and uh, I think the first play of the game, 
um, when Impact had the burden. Uh, Impact had Kyle Sanders with the burden in the middle, and Levine and Juvinko had balls on the corners. And Kyle Sanders threw at Rise, and immediately Serge Ferrari runs up, tags Kyle out, Levine hits Ferrari, and then Alan Stott blows up Levine. And so instantly, you have impact without Levine and Sander. And I think the same is going to happen in the beginning of the game against outsiders. Like Kim is going to be the first thrower. Jake is going to be right there protecting him. Serge is going to get the counter on Kim. And and uh, Jake is going to have to make that counter. And Andy is instantly going to get him out. It, and it's just unless unless they really change something up on offense, which is going to decrease their offensive efficiency, um, Rise is just going to get money, free money that way. And that's where it comes back to dodgeball IQ and experience, knowing which uh, which trades to make and when to make them. Falling back on the decades, like they, I, I think they don't make that mistake. Yeah, it's. Uh, Are we ready to vote? It's gonna help me. I mean, I put for mine. It, it's it's rise. Uh, a lot of it's based on experience and just the program and the, they've faced every scenario and they always seem to um, either come up on top or come back stronger the next time. Um, the IQ is just very, very high. And I also think um, just being able to be out in the West, um, it's just a, one of the things that the outsiders just doesn't have right now that you don't have, um, I'm going to probably sound like a douchebag, but you don't have like stronger teams to sharpen up against unless you come over to us um, on the West. Um, that's kind of where my mentality is going, but um, are we? I think we're we're even though. Um, I'll, I'll just recap if I got this right. Sean favored Rise. Um, well, you put Lou for outsiders, but he actually picked Rise. I think. Okay, my bad. I I will say that I think this might be like one of the crown jewel matches of the tournament so far, and and I. I really liked what Brett said that like maybe Rise wins it this year, but like Outsiders, you know, has the potential to come back and win it the following year. I think it's just that close. So we're uh, four two on the panel. I think it's four two. Yeah, let me look at the uh, nothing from the chat. Um, which goes with the, with Instagrams, basically. That it does. Um, let me just check one more time. Just refresh in case anything changed. Heavy, heavy outsider vote comes in on Instagram. <laughs> That's the time. Swings the tide totally the other way. <laughs> like, wait a minute. It's just, it's just Vaughn clicking outsider, 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 outsider. <laughs> So are we thinking like four to three close game, uh, insanely fun to watch, um, but rise that's where we're going. Yeah. I think, I think four to three. Yeah. Alrighty. What was the Instagram vote? <laughs> what was the percentage? Did we hear? It was like 72%. It, it was it, 70, 30 rise. Let me make sure I shared it on the, I, th I think I shared it twice on the stories. Um, all right. So that's two down, uh, two more to go, maybe four, if we can make it that far. Um, so next we got, and this is going to be a doozy, um, anarchy and heat. So who wants to take anarchy's roster? 
All right, go for it, Lou. I'll take it. Uh, Anarchy was the first seed out of the Eastern region. Uh, they're led by Billy Schmidt, Mike McGee, Brandon Kelly, Armando Valdez, Joe Colella, Casey Moses, and Mike Caterino. And in the previous round, they knocked out Kraken by a score of four to zero. I'm going to do Heat. They were the two seed out of the West. They're led by Isidro Perez, Vince Marchbanks, the second best wheeler, Dylan Clark Odin, Tyler Greer, Frank Mariano, Griffin Baker, and Randy Hodge, and they beat Thieves 4-2 in the previous round. Okay, so... John? Yeah, All right. let's go pick. Because so, I'm, I'm in this match, uh, I, don't, I don't want to... I'll answer any questions you have. Uh, but I want to withhold from in like biasing the conversation outside of just a few facts. Uh, one is that we did play Anarchy last year, West Round Three. We lost four uh, two in the semifinals. Um, also, if you had asked me what team I wanted to play least at nationals last year, the answer would have been Anarchy. Um, so those are the those are the two uh, points that I would like to make in favor of Anarchy. Uh, the points I make to, like to make in favor of Heat is that last year we formed as a team, uh, or 2019 we formed as a team. We play, I played in 11 open tournaments with that team. Uh, we only didn't make the semifinals in one of those tournaments, and we won half of them. Um, we've only been knocked out in the quarterfinals of one tournament we've been in, which was where we would be losing here. Uh, so I, I think we have a record of consistency um, that I think kind of gives us an advantage versus a team like Anarchy that definitely I feel like has a higher ceiling than us, but has been known to lose focus, I feel like, sometimes in bigger brackets. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'll answer any questions uh, or if you guys want to know the top 16, top, 16, top eight uh, records, I have those too. But uh, Lou? Yeah, I mean, I think this is like a clash of the titans. Like both of these teams are probably within uh, the top two or three teams that you would have predicted to be in the championship match of this tournament. Um, I, I recently watched the Anarchy Heat matchup in the in the West, and looking at the, our catching rating for Anarchy, I feel like I need to reevaluate that after all the catches that they pulled in in that match. Sean, how many how many catches were thrown by Heat? Looks like somewhere in the region of 10 catches that match. Um, Mikey and Billy were just reeling them in. And um, yeah, I oh, for me, this one is really tough. Um, I almost I almost want to sit back and, and listen to some of the takes in order to really kind of make a refined choice. So I'm going to kick it over to Brett. Lou, you, that is what I do. That's my move. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I think this is going to come down to the previous matchups. I think depending on how much they had to work for that game against Thieves, um, what their mindset is coming in, Man, I I might call for the dice on this one. Um, it, it's going to be tough. If he can play smart and not throw 10 catches, I think this is going to be a very interesting game. Even if they do that for one of the games in this series, they might be able to come back. I, I don't know. I, 
I'm going to the dice. We'll come back to you. Maybe the, maybe, <laughs> maybe the winning conditions can, can help. Um, okay, so we have, well, no one's answered anything yet. Justin, what do you think? I think kind of like what Tron said, there's two different teams Anarchy shows up as. Anarchy can show up as the best team in the country, or they sometimes <laughs> bad. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of hard to say in this hypothetical tournament if Anarchy shows up as that team that is the best team in the, you know, or one of the most talented teams in the country. They're they're holding ball control. Billy and Mikey are up on the front line, pressing, making it really hard for any team to get comfortable. Uh, I think they win, but is that you know is that team show up? That's a different question. Um, in that matchup against you in the West, Sean, did you feel like that was the team that showed up? Did they, did they hold control of the ball? They okay. So Lou and I talked about this earlier. They played the even the best version of themselves that you could think of. They played better. Mikey had four catches. Like that's what I was gonna say. You, Mikey never has four. If you have to four deal with Mikey, if you have to deal with Mikey being as good of a blocker and thrower he is, and then also he makes four catches, which, like I said, I don't think is a repeatable thing. Like, I would be. I, I felt like if they played that way, they would have beat anyone. Um, so that that loss doesn't. It doesn't like sting me as bad. It doesn't tell me we can't beat them because it felt like things that aren't going it wasn't like you said like they just held the line and we couldn't get off the back like it wasn't mm-hmm. like it's like we we lost the game um in a lot of ways uh and that's not to take anything away from them that should it just means that that is not as big a data point as it would be if the game had gone differently to me do we want to talk about the like what I, I know we've had a hard time saying which way we feel so far. Does anarchy uh, position change that we've heard about? Does that change uh, the mechanics of the game in a meaningful way to anybody? So I think I'm picking up the cue there, Sean. Thank you. If that's what you're doing. Um, Billy hit me up. I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, he says, uh, also, for the Anarchy Heat matchup, they don't have the arm strength to take our team out when Mikey and I play corners and can protect ourselves until late game. And the catchers can't catch Mikey or I. Or I. And if they have to throw solos at Casey, Brandon, or Joe, they're screwed. So um, take that for what it's worth. Uh, that is coming straight from Billy. So um, what do you I think? Wanted, I want to ask the panel, do you, th- do you think Billy in the corner makes this team better? Justin. I, I don't because I think Billy's the best middle in the whole country and now you're basically moving him. I mean, sure, Billy can probably is probably one of the better corners as well, but he's not as good as he is in the middle. And it also takes what I think is Anarchy's biggest advantage is having Billy and Mikey next to each other. You take off you take apart an entire side of a court with Billy and Mikey there with balls. Um so no, I don't think it makes him a better team. And I think Caterino's a very good corner. I think he's got a great arm. He's got a good fake. Um, I don't really see the huge advantage. And I think the the trade of Caterino and Billy, maybe Billy isn't as – Caterino is not a good, as good in the middle as Billy is. So it's a downgrade in terms of team depth and team strength. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Billy's definitely better in the middle. I think you're going to get more out of his arm in the middle. But also, I think um, you you know you're going to see those things that Billy does, like you know the butt sliding catch that he does. You don't see that when he's in the corner, and you get big swings when Billy's doing stuff like that. And that's all going to come through the middle. Um, I agree with Justin. I think I think um, there's a drop off um, having Caterino in the middle versus the corner, and and Billy in the corner, and um, so I think, you know, I think they're just fine having Billy in the middle. And I think moving him to the corner would, would be a mistake here. Do you think they, if they, if that was a mistake, they would have adjusted and put Billy back in the middle though? Are they that flexible that they would have course corrected? I mean, I will say, I know that two years ago they decided to put uh, Brandon Kelly in the corner. They moved zaps off the corner and put him in the middle and, before the end of the season, they move Zaps back to the corner. So they've definitely been known to adjust runway and change. So I think there's definitely a possibility that Billy would be back in the middle in the finals of this tournament. But then they but then they took Zaps off the corner and gave it to Caterino. So you could also make the argument that they're, some for some reason, feel compelled to move themselves out of their best positions. Yeah, for sure. That sounds like a heat take. Um, let me <laughs> let me read the win condition. Well, well, hold on. Ask, you didn't ask me no. how I felt about Billy in the corner. Uh, look, Lou, if I may, just ask. No one's answered yet, and um, real quick, because uh, Joey called us on that. He's like, "Hey, what a bunch of political." This is the most political round of answers I've heard thus far. Avoid the question and deflect. Um, let me back up real quick. Um, yes, we did say second best Wheeler, and then um, Jenny says anarchy known to crap the bed. I'm not going to bleep myself. Uh, Joey says, uh, also that bright guy looking sharp. It's it's the it's that ring light. It's got to be. And then um, uh, Dylan Fetting says, their team is at their best with them both on the court. Corner makes him last longer. So they want to cut you off, Lou, but do we are we going to hold our answers until we hear the conditions? Or, Sean, do you want to chime in some more? Or I mean, I'll give my answer right now. I'll be the first one to do it. What do you have on? Uh, I take heat here. I think this is close. I think this is 4-3. I think this is a great game. I take heat um, because I think Billy is best in the middle, and he would be playing corner here. But also, I think consistency-wise and the mindset goes to heat. I think heat um, will adjust and stay calm more than anarchy will. Um, It's like we said earlier, anarchy has times where they can implode. You know, they can go from one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country, to sixth, you know, in an East round. And you just never really know when that's going to happen. Um, you know, there's a big, there's a bigger drop off for them if Mikey or Billy gets hurt, which historically has happened a lot. Um, you know, obviously in this tournament, everyone is healthy, but I just think there's a bigger drop off than you would see if someone on, on heat got hurt. So I'm going to take heat, but I think it's, I think it's close. Sean, I got a question for you. If if you, if Anarchy does get banging on all cylinders and they come out looking like the number one team in the country, they take a game from you. What is your game plan coming into that next game to try to shake that? Uh, so we're we're talking Billy on the corner, and then what is what is the the fashion in which they take the game? Do they just throw through us? Do they, do we? We can't hit them. They catch us. Like yeah, they come out and just throw through you guys. 
Um, I, th I think, you know, I think what uh, Dylan said in the comments is, is very true that, you know, obviously I, I probably put, I, it, it rotates, but Billy and Mikey might be the best two 8.5 players in the country to me. Um, so having them both on the court, huge advantage. Um, that's actually part of what I think is a disadvantage to Billy being in the corner. I think uh, if you put him in the corner in front of Vince, that's our best thrower. And if we're able to double Billy, like even like let's let's say even if we do it, we don't even need four balls. Let's say like we think that that's a big enough thing that we just we'll throw down to one, and we'll let you come back and take whoever you want with it. You can take Vince back, like but we're gonna get Billy off the court. Um, like that to me, like if, if it starts to feel desperate that they're just putting it through us and we, we can't block it, we can't do anything. Like we're not out of the realm of just like, we'll make whatever trade you want because like I, against like pretty much any team in this bracket, like I feel like we're deeper. Like we want to make, we want to make trades. We, we will give you five balls. You can come back and hit Vince, hit me, hit a Cedro, whoever you want, but we're going to take Billy out. And then how does, to me, then that puts the ball back in their court. If we're going to do that to Billy every game, how are they going to, how are they going to react to that? I feel like that's what you guys did to catch him in the championships. Cause he was targeting yeah. Vince nonstop and they would pay for it every single time. And, um, well, we, we just knew, we knew that they like to do their little rush thing with Brody. So we just, we ate the ball in the rush every time and they got an out most of the time. And we said, all right, we'll trade you Frank for Pioneer Ketchum. And we'd go double one of them and it worked almost every game. Um, and like, that's why I, we were having a conversation earlier about like, we were talking about like weighting these different things. And like, I think depth is such an enormous enormous thing in dodgeball because it gives you the flexibility and malleability to we can alter like whatever team we play we can alter our strategy in any myriad of ways because there's no one on the court that is more valuable than you know like if you take this guy out we're still our sixth guy if we get it to one and one our sixth guy is better than your sixth guy we believe that so like that's what we want to do with any game and and it plays like it, it makes it so that I don't feel like we're on our back foot very much. Gotcha. Um Lou? Trying to, uh, real quick, just trying to get some clarification from from Tyler. Um he had said that's just not how Anarchy plays though. Also he wasn't at full strength in their round three semifinal loss to Anarchy. I think Vaughn you'd ask uh which part about Anarchy plays. So I don't know if we can get some feedback on that Tyler but uh Lou you want to go ahead and take it? Man, uh, sheesh, this is tough. Um, I think Anarchy has the edge in throwing. I think what Sean said about Billy and Mikey is really poignant. Uh, biggest concern to me if I'm Anarchy is Heat's depth. Um, I'm devastated by the idea of trading Mikey or Billy for anyone. Um, I think I underrated Anarchy's catching, so I do feel like if there's an early trade for one of those top guys, there is a good chance that they get caught back in by um, Casey, Brandon, or Joe. So you can see where I'm headed. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I guess what I will say is I'm really impressed with Anarchy's ability to step up 
against top competition. They came out to the West two years ago and won round three in San Diego. No, no. Shaking your head. Lost to them. I think I'm pretty sure they beat them and like and then they were in the winner's bracket, but then Doom came back, or maybe I have that backwards. Okay. Maybe, okay. maybe they did win it. I, I might have that wrong. This was uh, um, I, round three, you said? Round three, 2018. I'm pretty sure Nate started trading with Mikey and Doom came back. Because my Anarchy like destroyed them in the first set of it, and I didn't think that there was any way Doom was going to come back. But I could be wrong. Okay. My By my recollection, they made it to the finals in both Open and Co-Ed, and I thought that was an incredible showing because they were a new team, and the West has a lot of gravitas as far as like the toughest region. And they came out there and had an amazing showing. Um, and then, I mean, I, I think they came out West again last year and, and placed very well. They made it to the championship match against Crisis, which became just kind of a circus because both teams agreed to not, not compete in order to avoid injuries. Um, and robbed the world of a good match. Um, but that being said, I, I think Anarchy has the ability to step it up, and they've got a lot of guys with a lot of experience, and I just, I don't know, I just got a feeling. I think the luck dice rolled, and I, I saw Anarchy. So uh, real quick, um, Frankie is saying Doom won that uh, 2018 round. But uh, I heard you say anarchy. That's your vote, finally. Not finally, but just like we're we're finally narrowing it down to answers. Um, Brett, you want to cast your cast your vote real quick for we? Yeah. So, I Lou, I'm on the opposite side. My my luck dice is telling me heat. I think even if anarchy does come out come through hot, I think the the level-headedness and consistency of heat can ride out that storm making smart trades as long as they're not throwing 10 catches i think uh i think he can take them justin so i'm more with lou I, I think that that team that i talked about with anarchy that best team in the country that's the team that shows up uh the last two nationals that team didn't show up in round in Minnesota, I think Mikey got injured and basically that derailed them right off the bat. And last year, I don't think that they showed up. So I think this is the year that they show up. And I, I guess it's the luck factor. It's, you know, maybe it's just, I think this team shows that final team finally shows up. I think Mikey, I think Mikey's the best player in the country. And I think this is the tournament. He ends up showing us that he's the best player in the country. Um, but it's an unbelievably close matchup. Uh, so I would pick Anarchy 4-3. So we leave it up to Steve. No, nah, don't do it to me. <laughs> You're the tiebreaker. <laughs> that's, that's some BS. That's when I go to the polls. Um, let me just reread the winning conditions here real quick. Okay, so how does Anarchy win? Billy controls the court, moves to the corner, uh, forcing tunnel vision from Heat. Billy's drop catch against counterattack. Uh, just kind of rehashing that. Tyler did make a good point. Um, he said that Billy doesn't play corner. That's just not their game plan, so it shouldn't be hypothetical. So maybe he does go back to the center. Um, I mean, the only reason it's hypothetical is because they're saying it. Billy, Billy also plays, Billy plays corner on most 
of his co-ed teams, and he's really, really good at it. Yeah. He's a very good player. I'm a, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cop out. I, my gut instinct was Heat, just because of the temperament and what I saw watching the play against Crisis. Um, I feel like Anarchy would be a lot tougher. Um, they would have a healthy Mikey, but um, I don't know. Like what Lou was saying about, you know, if you make a trade, you take out Billy, you just lose an incredible asset for that team. Um, and just based on depth and heat alone, again, coming from um, the championships last year, uh, honestly, that, that would be, be my vote. Um, I just see too many scenarios where um, you, you make that trade off, but that next person that next person that comes in, whether it's Dylan, Tyler, um, Vince, it, it's it's gonna be huge. Um, whereas I feel like if you lost Billy or Mike, um, it's gonna be hard for that team to recover from from that loss. Um double my shoulders saying, yeah, but they can just get caught back in by Casey or Brandon. But um man. I mean they are probably the two best end game catchers. Yeah. Yeah. I think we definitely have, like, I, I don't, I think if I vote, it'll tie it up. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I would say that he would have to play a better game to win because I think, you know, like I said, if we're going to do a, you know, a, a double strategy on Billy or something like that, if we miss any of those, like, let's say we do what I said and we're going to give them five balls and we miss Billy. Oh, you're that's dead. That's a lot of time That game is over. lost. Yeah. Right. So, like there's definitely like I think but you know uh, I think most of it comes down to what you're saying is like I think we probably work it down the way we want it and then it's just like can how often do we throw a catch to bring back Mikey or Billy do we do it in three of the four do we do it in four games do we do it in two games like because if we I don't know it's so hard does everyone think though that this is going four three no matter what absolutely and it's gonna what be is, a close call that I would hate to ref, and I feel bad for those refs. Um, yeah, this is one of those ones where you have to have like twelve refs. Yeah. Would you hate roughing it more because is... of the game or because Billy's yelling at you? Because of the game, I would rather just watch this thing from <laughs> the best Chris Bell, you know, stadium uh, bleachers. Um, you know, I just Steve. What's the Instagram poll? Yeah, I think it's time because we can go back and forth all day. I was just thinking about, you know, Coella pulling this amazing clutch catch and just doing what he does best. I mean, yeah. Um, stand by for Does Billy pull. get carded this game? You know what? No. I feel like Probably Billy turns not. a new leaf and does not get carded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't. When we played them at West, it was there was no problems with anyone, no problems with the ref. I think there was like one really close call between griffin and mikey in a one-on-one -on -one. uh but like it, it was like we just let the rest decide and then that was it i think billy's reputation is worse than he actually than his bite actually is yeah for sure. i'm actually just giving him crap because it's billy i actually really like billy and i really appreciate his honesty and his like humor and stuff uh but i just really love to throw out crap like that about Billy. yeah billy's great i want to i want to take a quick pause we should all talk about Billy right now. I want to ask the group, do you think Billy has reached his peak? I feel like he could get even better if he really wanted it. How so? You say really wants it, he's going to get into like extremely good shape and 
all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, if I he, think it, if you dedicated Billy, that, if you dedicated I, that side of himself, like he already has the tools and like the experience. Like if he optimized like his physical fitness and just everything, like the way that Catchem transformed himself, like if Billy put in like an effort along those lines, I think it would be terrifying. That would be absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Because I, I was also thinking, um, you know, stamina as well. Um, I, yeah, I just I, I'm looking at in my mind the heat roster, and I feel like everyone's in great shape, and so you just even have that going for them as well. Uh, not saying anarchy is any different, but if you had Billy just train the way Catchem did, um, Jesus, that'd be terrifying. Um. Looking at the polls, though, um, 55% say heat, 45% say anarchy. So even the polls are fairly close. So um, I'm glad we're not alone here. But uh, Someone flipped the coin. No, I think uh, it's just a freaking close battle, like 2v1, one-on-one, close call, 4-3, a nine-meter ref, an incredibly game, awesome game to watch. But... Um, let me check the comments real quick for anything that might. Sean, it's it's four three for Heat. Tell us the play that broke the match open. <laughs> what was the most important play? Like, give us the play by play. <laughs> so in game seven, I don't know, man. It it would have to be something around like, honestly, like it's so funny. Like I go when I, I go back and watch the the crisis match and. You know who our best player in the match against Crisis was? Tyler Greer. Tyler Greer hits every throw that he needs. He's like, he counters Pine, he counters Brody, he counters Brody again, he counters Ketchum, like he makes the catch that wins it all. Like Tyler doesn't miss that game. And I don't know. So like, it's so hard to like guess which of our players is going to do something like that because I feel like every series it's something, someone, something different. Um, so maybe, maybe want to ask. Tyler sacrifices himself for uh, Billy and then gets a catch on the way up. Mm, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because going back to that match again, Ketchum goes after Vince, and then immediately it's Tyler and sometimes Frank even just making that, just seeing that opportunity, taking it, and just making it look very crisp and clean, but they never missed. And that was what picked away at, a, at Crisis. So I'd imagine we'd see that against Anarchy. You'd, you'd have to. I mean, with... with people like Mike and Billy on that roster the second they expose themselves one of you guys is going to take them out so Lou you never asked your question from from the uh, wind conditions for Sean Sean Heat is like the deepest team in the tournament how how does a team use their depth to their advantage How does the team use their depth to their advantage? I don't know. I think I've gone over it kind of extensively. Like you, you know, you just, you are willing and able to make no one like, because you're deep, like, you know, I think on some teams you have to, like when we're talking about anarchy, you have to worry about keeping Billy and Mikey in the game. There's no one on heat that we have to worry about keeping in the game. We don't care who you hit as long as we hit somebody too. Like, 
to me and so like i think there's that mindset uh and then the the strategy you can build around it are probably the biggest uh advantage of it yeah i mean the only other thing that i was thinking about is if billy plays corner we're gonna see this vince versus billy matchup and i i just wonder like can vince handle that can billy handle vince like what's that look like i i think i it's one of those ones that's fun to watch same way like catch him catch him versus vince is fun like any of those times you get like the big corner matchups they're super fun to watch um my favorite part about vince is vince is literally not scared of anyone though so like if you put Billy in front of him, it doesn't change the way he wants to play or how he goes about the game a single bit. Like, if anything, it just motivates him more. You've know, seen him do his big burr catch or whatever. Like, he he loves being in the moment and the challenge. I'm going to read a few more comments, and then we'll we'll move on to the, the next matchup. Um, so Ketchum says, Billy won a national championship this year playing corner on dope. Um, congrats on the, on the wedding, by the way. Um, Frankie says, Tyler was excellent in the finals. Joey says, I'd say Heat's ability to make quick throws overtakes Anarchy's power. Um, I agree there. And uh, Tyler says, and that obviously changes match to match. I think that was into one of the comments that you had said, Sean. And then uh, Frankie says, way better than Moxie games. I don't know what Moxie means. Anyone? Moxie game. I'll have to Google that later. Alrighty. Well, uh, let's move on to uh, Shred and Dynasty. So, talking about games I'd like to see. Um, who wants to take uh, lead on rosters for Shred? I got it. All right. Go um, for it. All right. Shred. Shred finished third seed in the East region. Uh, they're led by Matt Levine, Jeff Juvenko, Dylan Cruz, Jaquan Moore, Kyle Sanders, Frankie Giannetto, and Sean McMahon. Uh, their their previous matchup was against it was a four one win against Wrecking Ball in the first round of the tournament. And <clears throat> Dynasty is the number one seed out of the North. They're led by Colin O'Brien, Dylan Fedig, Jalen Gardner, Kevin Bailey, Austin Morley. Trevor Nordberg, Kenny Backus, Brandon Mizell, and they beat Fortune in a bloodbath, a 4-3, rock'em, sock'em, probably the hardest match of the first round. Uh, so they're moving on to play Shred now. All right, let's discuss uh, picks. So, Brett, how about you go first? <laughs> um, you know... I like this matchup a lot. I think it it highlights both teams' strengths. Dynasty is going to try to play their discipline ball where they move up and down the court, hold ball control. Shred's going to be a lot more elusive. They're going to be throwing a lot of crosses and really try to shake them out of their game. Man, th this could... This could go one of either way. It could either Shred could blow the doors off a of dynasty if they shake them from their game, or it's going to go to a nasty game seven. Hmm. Do you, uh, and who do you have, uh, 
winning this, do you think? I think Shred wins it. Shred? Yeah. Okay. What about you, Vaughn? What do you think? Uh, this one's tough for me. This is probably my toughest pick in this round. I don't know. You know, I just really, I really don't know. I think Dynasty has a lot of experience, much more experience than Shred does. They are one of the top catching teams in the whole country. Um, but can that catching keep up with the arms and the pace that Shred is going to have? And I'm not sure about that. I think looking at everything, I have Dynasty on team chemistry. I have them on catching. I have them in a lot of ways, but my gut is telling me shred. My gut is telling me that their catching is not going to keep up with shred. Um, so I'm going to go with shred, but everything else is telling me dynasty, but my gut, I'm going to go with my gut and just say shred. Huh. Okay. So uh, I will yeah, say, I, uh, I guess the one thing that we have to go on in terms of statistics is Impact did beat Dynasty last year, and essentially most of Shred is Impact. Uh, they beat him 2-0 in, in uh, round robin, I believe. Um, I think Shred is a deeper, more talented team. Um, I think they are better arms. I think they place balls well, so I'm not sure catching would come into such a huge advantage that we have them as the best catching team and the biggest advantage that they have over Shred. I also just think that that this team is going to be coming together. And we talk about experience. You know, Matt Levine probably played more dodgeball last year than anyone in the country. I mean, he played, like, the West rounds. He played the North rounds. He went to a South round. He played all the East rounds. He traveled to Canada. He traveled down to, like, a foam Dallas tournament. I mean, that kid's now played so much dodgeball, I feel like he's almost caught up on everybody. Uh I think Jeff Giovinco um, coming off winning Worlds is going to make a jump. I think we saw Eli make a huge jump after playing Worlds. I think Jeff probably will make that same sort of jump, that same sort of kind of jump. Um, and I just think they have more talented roster. The question is, you know, how do they line up? Do they decide to keep Jeff and Matt and Kyle on ball. Do they give a ball to Quan? Do they put Quan in the middle? Do they put Quan in the corner? Um, I think Dylan is very versatile. I think Dylan can easily move up ball and play really well. I think the real question is how they figure out where to put Quan. Um, but I think Shred is a more talented team. I think they win this matchup. Sean? Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Uh, this one to me is, uh, you know, the same question I asked about outsiders earlier um, is that, you know, Impact beat Dynasty 2.0 last year and Impact got better and Dynasty's roster stayed the same. Um, you know, you couple that, I think uh, it's it's been a minute since we saw Dynasty win like a high level game. Um, I awesome. think Boston Nationals, but, right? Yeah, the Bo Boston the Boston versus Doom. Like they beat, they upset shooters and then they beat Doom. And I feel like since then, like you know, they stopped. They didn't win North the next two years. They haven't really showed up for. I mean, obviously they're still 
juggernauts at pinch, but what at open, like, you know, they're very spotty. Um, and it, it feels like, you know, I think Brett had mentioned last time that maybe they've lost their like heart for it or they're not all the way bought in. They're not sure if it's something they want to keep doing. And uh, I think, you know, shred is the exact opposite of that mindset. Like you got a bunch of dudes who are like pretty new to dodgeball and just think it's the dopest thing in the world. And they want to play it every chance they get They And, you know, they're also talented. Uh, yeah. I can't really uh, see this not being a game for shred in my mind. Uh, what do you think, Liv? Um, I mean, Shred is the sexy pick. They, I feel like, have more star power. Um, it does seem like Dynasty is kind of like stale, like for lack of a better word. Um, however, Dynasty was the first seed in the North this year. Maybe like they could be coming into this tournament rejuvenated. Um, even though they are the worst throwing team left in the tournament at this point, um, they have big edge in the catching department in this matchup, team chemistry and experience. Um, I think for shred, there's going to be an element that they're just happy to be there. Like we're all glad that we're a team and we made it to this tournament. And for Dynasty, this is just another day at the office, right? Like they've been in big positions before. They know what to do. Um, both of these teams are kind of knotted in our rankings on, on depth. Um, that being said, I did watch a lot of Impact video earlier today. And Impact is essentially Shred plus uh, Juquan Moore. And they they had themselves a nice run through the bracket in the tournament last year. They 4-3, they beat Thieves 4-3 in the first round. They beat Outsiders 4-0, albeit an injured Outsiders, but they took care of business. And then they lost to Rise 3-4 in an incredible matchup. Um, so I think... I'm taking shred. <laughs> there was a lot of buildup making me think you're going to go for dynasty. And then just last minute you, <laughs> um, this is hilarious. Well, first of all, uh, Joey, we're sorry. We, we weren't clear. Um, heat beat anarchy four three. Um, I thought we covered that, but, uh, just, just to re retouch on that. Um, as we were discussing uh, Shred, Dylan said, uh, y'all been drinking, I see, which uh, kind of cracked me up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, Matt says, uh, worth noting, Dylan Cruz is our best player in our round-robin match against Dynasty at Nats last year, caught Colin to win game one, and had some good kills in game two. Um, I like what you said about, you know, Shred is like the new sexy team. I'm a very, um, you know, just go with what you know, uh, stability. So mine, for whatever it's worth, would have been Dynasty just based on team cohesion, catching. Uh, maybe I need to watch more Impact videos or understand more of Shred, but I just feel like um, Mankai would probably overextend themselves and Dynasty would just capitalize on that. Just like you said, it's another day in the office for them. Um, I would say with Dynasty, I'm clearly outnumbered here, but um, will you want to take us through like the winning conditions? Totally. <clears throat> um... All right, win conditions for Shred. Uh, 
Avoid throwing catches. Uh, Dynasty is one of the top rated catching teams in the tournament. Uh, Levine has to be disciplined. He needs to stay alive. Um, those early counters are leave him exposed and are very risky. And any team that watches video is going to take advantage. Um, they need to focus on Shred needs to focus on placement over power. Again, avoiding those big catchers. Um, and then to get out, Shred's going to need smart throws in transition. Let's jump over to Dynasty's win conditions. Dynasty needs to capitalize with ball control. I think the longer this game goes, uh, it favors Dynasty in like a slow match. Um, Dynasty needs to get Jeff off the court. I think Jeff Javinko is kind of the, in, in some ways, like the heart and soul of Shred and, and a lot of their organizing power too. So if they can get Jeff off, their, their win percentage goes up immediately. Um, Colin O'Brien should not put himself in any situation where he needs to trade against uh, Shred players unless it's Matt Levine. Matt Levine um, is worth trading for, but otherwise Colin needs to stay in the game and be effective. And, and lastly, they just need to slow it down. Dynasty, like I said, the longer it goes, the better things get. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was my little comments. I might have thrown you off there. <laughs> just snipe that in. But uh, that's justification for me. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm the only outlier, so I don't know if there's a debate that needs to be warranted or if we should just go to the polls. Um, I don't see anything in the like, I don't think you're picked crazy, Steve. Like, Shred has, like, a pretty pedestrian record against the teams in this tournament. Like, last year against teams in this tournament, they went 5-4. and four. So, like, they're in the top eight. You know they have a barely winning percentage against and they're two and two against the other teams in the top eight uh dynasty's kind of similar though but i don't know i think kind of what lou was building up to dynasty definitely you know we all saw it at boston dynasty has the ability to beat you know anyone that shooters team that year was like on a tear and you know the young mikey the leche brothers brandon you know some of the guys still on anarchy and dynasty i don't think anyone was picking dynasty in that match and they they held on and so it's definitely possible, but I don't think I, anyone's minds wouldn't change by the way. I feel like as you guys are talking, you like talk yourself out of it. Like a couple of you just sound like last minute, like, and eh, I'm going to go for Shred now. So, but um, uh, I want to point out that Fortune pushed Dynasty in the previous round. So maybe Dynasty is a little, a little tight, a little, a little worn out, a little battered. But... Whereas wrecking balls didn't really uh, didn't really push tread all that hard. Yeah, it kind of fed into like, yay, we're we're happy to be here, and we're just gonna just blow past uh, these rounds here. Um, let me pull up the polls. Uh, well, you're just giggling to yourself there. <laughs> just were you just going one way, and you just talked yourself into another uh, the other side, or? Like I feel like we're breaking so many like ESPN sports analyst rules that we don't even we're not aware of, but we'll we'll figure it out later. We are laying the groundwork for this kind of talk. Um, it's funny. I was in the gym this morning watching them talk about um, football last night. I was like, we're getting there with these uh, depth charts and this process. And I mean, like I said, if uh, dodgeball's not happening later on this season or if season five 
guess what we'll be talking about um, with a very refined uh, process. And we might even have like a simulator of some kind. Um, it's just all these dang numbers you guys are putting up. But um, let's go to the computer. Exactly. Let's go to the let's, virtual matchup. Or let's just like convert a Magic the Gathering game into this somehow with dice or D&D. Somebody out there knows how to turn this into a gamified thing with all the data that's been out there and collected. So um, send, uh, send Felix a message. I know he put together a dodgeball, like D&D style game. Well, there you freaking go. Exactly. So that's, somebody's working on it. I could feel it. Um, <laughs> Brett, you and I should talk <laughs> offline real quick. Ball of state, uh, ball out real fast after this. All right. Uh, kind of joking, but kind of serious now, actually. Um, okay. Well, I'll I got the here. polls. Um, eh, shred 55%, uh, dynasty 45%. So, um, I mean, I can't do math off the top of my head, but I mean, it feels like it's pretty reflective of the panel. Um, it's four one in the panel, and then and then uh, Instagram goes five one. Yeah. Crazy. Well, what um, do you guys no, think? Matchup five one on Instagram. Steve has it as Dynasty has it's forty five percent, sixty five percent. Oh, okay, so, so it's 14. almost half and half. So. So shreds for everybody to win this one. What do you, um, you say, Justin? What do you guys have as a matchup? As a total? Is it a 4-3 matchup or is it a 4-2? Everyone's throwing up yeah. signs. <laughs> I'm going to go. I would go 4-2. Yeah. I'm with well, you, you said 4-3. Sean, 4-2. Ron? Uh, yeah, I'm fine with 4-2. And Steve, you think it would be a four zero dynasty? <laughs> no, I initially I thought it was four three, but hearing you guys talk, I I could see four two. Um, I'm not. I'm, I would still. I'm still leaning towards dynasty. It's not going to change, but four two sounds based on like if I took my opinion out out of the mix, um, that that would sound reasonable. A game seven of this matchup would give me so much anxiety, though. Like. <laughs> Because I just feel like Impact is so talented, but Matt is so prone to mistakes, and so is Kyle. And like, I just feel like it's one of those things where like <laughs> something big would happen in a game seven of this. So that's why I'm going to say four two because I don't want to see them fumble the bag in game seven. They have that momentum; they just keep it. All right. Yeah, you don't you don't want to see Dylan kneeling in the corner over there with three balls hiding behind all of them, just just waiting, waiting, waiting until he gets his. Just buying his time. His chance to take him out. Let's see. Um, Sergio Leone says Dungeons and Dragons, NASA, and Magic the Gathering. A combination of the two um, it will happen. But um, obviously my my goal of 20, 20 minutes per matchup was was a sham, was a lie, wasn't going to happen. Um, and that's fine. I mean, we got a lot of engagement on the, on the live stream. Uh, definitely appreciate everybody chipping in, putting in the, the work and the intel. Um, I feel like it's really helping us make some pretty solid uh, decisions. And, you know, we, we kind of talked offline during the break. And I think what we're going to do, guys, is, is uh, you know, put the final semifinals and finals um, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. So we'll, we'll um, do some more homework, um, watch some more footage, uh, do some more due diligence, maybe even reach out to some of the team members to get their in input as well. 
because I feel like one of the things that is helping us with this is we're, we're getting feedback from surveys, from polls. Um, now, if we can actually get players or the captains to chime in, it'll probably help us make a really good uh, educated guess and, and make this as realistic as, as humanly possible uh, that we don't have to like rely on dice. But um, I guess with that being said, um, I'll go ahead and kind of just wrap this up with the uh, the dad joke. And I found a, an appropriate one for, um, for the times. And that was... Um, why was 2019 afraid of 2020? Because they had a fight in 2021. Uh, <laughs> I never get these jokes. I don't know. Just yeah. not smart enough, I guess. I mean, they're like cringe. The year, Justin, like, you know, 7, 8, 9, 2021. 2020 beat 2029 20 I, I shoot, shoot i almost caught myself <laughs> anyway all right guys well um yeah i think what we'll do is uh we'll just wrap up this portion here all righty well that was uh that that went pretty much as expected i, I really didn't think we were going to go ahead and finish the entire series um a man can dream, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that we got to a really good uh, ending point. And, and much to what the panelists said, um, we definitely want to give these uh, these next matches um, their their due. So as much as I you know wanted to finish this before I went into my my two week hiatus um, to go play Army, um, definitely feel like this is a good opportunity just to make sure that we can get as much feedback and input as possible. Um, Again, I, I cannot express how much I appreciate the work that the panelists have put into this. I love seeing the excitement and joy in the group chat about just doing the homework and thinking of like, you know, hypothetical numbers, uh, composition of teams, depth. Um, it's awesome. I feel like we're, we are on to a really good product that will transition or, or help um, streamline, you know, the women's uh, version of this. Or if we're still not playing dodgeball, heaven forbid, the no sting version or just picking two teams and putting up against each other and talking about it. Because, um, one thing that will continue to happen, even in my absence, um, is we will still be talking about dodgeball. Um, I really hope that, um, we do return to the courts in the coming months. Um, I know that there's still a lot of uncertainty about it. Um, but again, um, if there's one thing that, um, we can count on is we'll is the community to talk about it, come together, and um, we will hypothetical our way through the rest of 2021 if need be. But anyway, um, huge thank you to uh, to Sean, to uh, to Von Kelly, and and Lou, and Justin, as well as Brett. Um, again, I really appreciate you guys. Like I said, it was it was, it was really cool going to the gym this morning, seeing the uh, the sports people talk about you know the football games that took place last night. And knowing that we're going to do the same thing um, may not be as polished, may not be as streamlined, but we'll get there and we're laying the groundwork for it. So also, Chris, uh, you were definitely missed. So I, I do look forward to being able to recap with everybody uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, if you're still with me, thank you so much, as always, for, for doing so. And um, have a great rest of your uh, evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend. And we'll see you next time. Okay, so again, just because I, it's so funny because as I was saying it, I was like, oh, 
oh man, I completely did the exact opposite. Like I said this like 10 seconds ago. Good God. Um, and I just saw Lou like laughing. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. 